With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Coming up, we've got all the news and views from Manchester City's week. Get involved with the debate by tweeting at Blue Moon Podcast and check out exclusive interviews on bluemoonpodcast.com. It's your club and this is your show. Training ground bust-ups, embarrassing cup exits, a manager who's losing control of his squad. That's how this week's show might have opened if we were doing it in the 1990s, or covering Manchester United. Remember those dark days, City fans, when you were sick of being the laughing stock while the fans across town gloated? Well, we won't bother gloating. Well, not too much anyway. Welcome to this week's Blue Moon Podcast, where we're looking at how well Pep Guardiola and his team responded to that Champions League setback against Lyon. Eight goals, three points and progress in the Carabao Cup made it a good week. But then Phil Foden put the icing on the cake. We've got all the analysis of those games, plus we're rolling back the years to look at Ali Benabia at City after Riyad Mahrez became the first Algerian to score for the club in 15 years. We've got matches against Brighton and Hoffenheim to preview, and we're looking at the fans' relationship with the Champions League as well. I'm your host this week, David Mooney, and I'm joined in the studio by two City fans, Helen Powell. Hiya. And Nick Unsworth. Hello. How are you doing? Fine. You okay? Good to hear. Dandy. Um, it's, it's been a good week, all told, really, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so after, I mean, after the performance against Leon, uh, which let's be honest, wasn't great. Um, it, it kind of feels that the mood is a lot better now, isn't it? You, you know, two the two performances that that City put in in the week, they've they've really lifted the place. Oh yeah, it was definitely definitely needed. Um, I think at the start of the Cardiff game, just those first sort of twenty minutes, it was too easy to be like oh it's happening again we didn't look quite so good but then sort of on the half hour mark it really clicked and it felt like we were watching last uh, last season's team again I mean it's Nick they, they always say you know it's only Cardiff it's only Oxford but at some point you know City City are putting a run they're starting to put a run together again aren't they I, I think so yeah we can't it, you can't start looking at teams as it's you know it's it's only Cardiff it's only whoever Um I don't know. It's just it's just a bit of an an arrogant thing, and I think complacency is the absolute killer, isn't it? You know, oh, we'll beat these. It doesn't matter. It's fine. Obviously, me being a professional football player, etc. <laughs> but you know, you've got to stay sharp. And we were back to our creative best. The Leon game was so so flat. There was just nothing you sat. That was what, it? Wasn't it? It was sat it, watching. It, it was like no one could be asked being there. Just no one wanted to be there. Even like. Pep was well. Even know, the players. He couldn't have been there. That's what I mean. Everybody. Pep was obviously up having a nice seat at the thing. You have obviously because he's got touchline ban, hasn't he? He did. Oh, he's, he's not is anymore. It, yeah, is it just for it, one game? It's just for that game. It's suspended until it's suspended for a year. So if he does something else in the Champions League, he'll get another game on it. But oh. you know. And I think last season we were caught out by you know only so and so teams as well. Even when we were on fantastic form. It's only Crystal Palace. They drew there. Only the Crystal of, yeah. Palace held to a draw. Um, only Wigan they got knocked out Wolves. the FA Cup Wigan oh, knocked us out don't like, even talk to me about no only room. Wigan Helen you mentioned Wolves it's very easy to, to kind of say well you know it's a newly promoted team City should easily dispatch them but again it's 
I, mean, I don't want to be all, oh, it's the Premier League, it's better than anywhere else. But, you know, Cardiff, are, they're, they're going to want to get something out of the game to survive this season. They didn't They didn't just roll over and die. City forced them into it. Yeah, no, they were very hungry for it. And um, they say they started brightly. They've got a lot to prove. And obviously, once we got up and running, it was clear what was going to happen. But we should never dismiss these teams. And wins a win. And what we had last season was the momentum of, you know, 18 wins on the bounce. It was more... The team was carried by its confidence and, you know, even the most pessimistic City fans started thinking, right, we're going to win this and we're going to win this. And that's how you get there. And if you beat two teams, no matter who they are, you're starting to pick that up again after Lyon. It is It is a case of building momentum, isn't it, really? It's, it, you know, after Lyon, it, like I said before, it just because it seemed like nobody just wanted to be there, it was quite nice having two wins, you know. There was a lot of, di- obviously in the Oxford game, there's a lot of different players used. So it's kind of a bit of a confidence booster for everybody. Mares has had an absolute like blinder of a week. Well, let's, I mean, let's talk about Mares because, I mean, Nick, you say he's had a blinder a week. He, he couldn't have, he, he needed goal. He needed a goal. He needed something to happen for him, didn't he? I think it was, it's just a case of confidence getting that first, the first one. And then it's, you know, it kind of, as I said before, it's all momentum, really. Like some of the guys I sit near at City just abs- have been absolutely slating him all season. What's he doing here? After about 120 minutes, oh, in total, honestly, yeah. it's horrendous. It's like he's been here for like 10 minutes. Just, just, just give him a minute to settle in. He's got that price tag on his shoulders, hasn't he? I felt like it was weighing, weighing on him. And now that relief, I think we're going to see a lot more. Well, yeah, two games on the bounce. He's, He's scored in, got three goals. So but it's not it's not just three goals; it's three different goals. Yeah, yeah. He's, I mean, the first one was was a, a typical City sort of tap in where yeah. they work it round, create the tap in for him. The second one was a nice, beautiful curler into the into the corner, and the third one, you know, he, he was under pressure with a one on one. The sort of player, if you're struggling for confidence and you get put through one on one from quite a way out. You can start thinking. You can't start overthinking it. So yeah. he's done well. No, he kept his cool, and he got he got the right result. Obviously, I think. Yeah, I think now he's got that relief. I think we'll go and see great things from him, and I'm really happy for him. <laughs> <laughs> um, another player that's that's really started to light up this season is Bernardo Silva. Oh. Um, again at, at Cardiff, he he ran the show. Yeah, well, certainly. And can we can we remember that he scored an absolute wonderful goal against Cardiff last season? But unfortunately, it was disallowed. I'd completely for forgotten no about good that reason. as well. Yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd forgotten. Justice for Bernardo. But no, I, <laughs> I'm a I'm a big Bernardo fan. Um, I think he's just well, he's he's wonderful. Um, but it, players do take a while to settle sometimes when they come into the Premier League. Uh, Leroy did. Um, even Zaba did right at the start. You don't don't always hit the ground running. It's a very different atmosphere to play in. Um, and from what we've seen from him this season, I'm just I'm very excited. What do you think's changed for him? I don't know. Is it sort of almost like real reality? I think you know when he comes in, everyone's expecting him to be you know straight away the new David Silva. You're going to do this, and we're going to do this, and um, and as well, he's well he's playing more central. When he was out wide, he was expected again to do a role that wasn't necessarily maybe his. Now he's more central. He's great at playing it down the middle. Maybe that's where he's naturally more comfortable, and now he's bedded in. He can really do something for himself here. Nick, we're going to talk about uh, who ultimately now I can't help. I, I have to say is he's become my favourite player. He's because it, it, Raheem Sterling has just <gasps> he has just he's answering he, the critics and then going nice further. He's a nice man. I met him. A co- <laughs> I met him. No, no, I'm not. I'm actually not being a perv this time. This uh, is the insight you, I, you get here. On I, the met, I met him um, um, 
at that City Player Day thing. And honestly, I, I, he's such a nice, like, he's just a nice lad. He's just a lovely, lovely lad. There was a story, I can't, I can't remember who the journalist was that interviewed him, but they went to the CFA to interview him. Mm. They, they sat in the in the kind of lunch area and waiting for him, and he was the only one that cleared up his own mess from oh. his lunch. And it just, that, I think that's, be, that's the sort of stuff you don't hear about him. His mum taught him well. I don't think it's what the press want you to hear about him, though. And th- this isn't what we're here to talk about, because I'll end up doing some like two-hour-long sermon <laughs> about Raheem Sterling. You're laughing, but I'm being serious. When he came on um, in the was it in the Oxford game, he just added a lot of like a lot of pace to the uh, to the uh, well to the team, and his goal for his sorry his assist for Foden's goal as well. I'd forgotten it was him. It was mm. him. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's. I mean. There was a concern last season might have been a one-off. It just you know that impact of, of Guardiola playing in a confident team, but mm. this season so far it's 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 proven know, it wasn't. I and he's he's not game. just. I mean, last season we're known for last-minute goals and for scoring lots of lots of goals uh, general for for him. But this season his decision making is a lot stronger. He's a lot more consistent throughout the pitch. His to say his passing is better. The assist the other night. Is yeah. um, is yeah. He's not just sort of that pace and width run and do it. it it's he's getting a lot more involved and having more is dictating play a lot more I think and he's just yeah different man Gundogan is, uh, is a man that, that has come into, into criticism especially after that uh, Leon game um, he kind of answered the critics didn't he with his performance at Cardiff he, he could have gone one or two ways he had that miss kind of a few minutes before, yeah. he, uh, mm. before City opened the scoring and then he scored a belter this is the thing with him and I I I don't know if he just gets scapegoated or people don't like him or whatever, but for me, I either find he's either properly in the thick of it and he has a blinder, or sometimes you wouldn't even notice that he's on the pitch. And I feel actually feeling really bad saying that because I'm sure he's a very nice guy. But, you know, is it is it because he kind of... Me and Helen were discussing before. Is it because they're playing him more of like a kind of Fernandinho day, he, Pep? More <laughs> Fernandinho, Fernandinho role rather than, you know... Because if he's got to come in and he's got to be either... Um, Kevin De Bruyne, I'm trying to use his proper name, or David Silva, they are massive, metaf- Tiny shoes. M- massive metaphorical boots to fill. But that's the thing, isn't it? He's. I, I worry if he's if he's becoming a bit of a utility man, and not we're mm. not. That's the reason City won't get the best out of him. Yeah. Because it, I mean, if if he comes in, yeah, he'll do he'll do all right in the number ten role where where Silva should be or mm. where De Bruyne should be. He, he'll do all right holding for Fernandinho, but he isn't them players. So we always look at them when we compare them. Th- yeah, that he won't win. No. It's almost like he's he's kind of not out there in his own right. He's to co- just to kind of maybe fill in for the others. I don't know. I, like... When he holds that more like a Fernandinho type of role, he does have a more like consistent impact on the game. Last season, we saw some the whole team was playing better when when it was sort of more around him. He you know Spurs at home, Spurs away, Chelsea at home. There was some key games that the whole team was better and you know people accuse him like Nick said of sort of almost going missing some games you'll forget he's on the pitch um but that just seems like a much more natural position for him yeah he was on the receiving end of another bad tackle though um I don't I don't want to get into the I don't want to set off the conspiracy alarm but should City be worried by the number of bad tackles that they face because they're ultimately they're not getting punished I think I think obviously it's very easy for us as City fans to sit there and say, yes, you know, our, Pep said it last season, um, referees should be doing more to protect us. Um, it's not just a City issue, I think. I think it's an issue with very strong players. Um, 
I think it happens more to us because we have more strong players. Um, but so it's a city issue then. It's you uh, can't yeah, get away from that. Then you have Zaha, you have Hazard. They're, they're, everyone's victims of this sometimes. Uh, you know, they go out to take down the best players, but they're not they're not protected, and so it's not going punished. It's. I mean, Nick, when you when you watch these these challenges go in, you, what's it going to take to to do something? Is it going to take a serious injury to to stop this? I I actually was discussing this before with Helen, and Zahar said it's going to take somebody to get their leg broken before before it starts being a red card. You know, he, he says it on social media, or whatever. I think it's a throwaway comment, but then you think the reality of it is, is it actually going to have to be someone getting pretty seriously injured before people start? Paying attention to these, to these kind of tackles. It's the career as well. Yeah, I mean, Gundo is an easy target. Obviously, he's had serious issues with injury, um, you know, over the last year, and it's just, oh, just sick of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's talk a bit more uh, more on the positive side. Then we'll we'll move to the Oxford game, uh, where the first half, Brahim Diaz was was threatening to steal the show but by the end of it there was only one man who could really have uh, stolen the show and it was uh, that youngster Phil Foden what what did you make of his display Phil Foden fantastico um well it was great I know obviously the people have said it's turning the first 15 seconds and all that sort of stuff but you know to start with I think you could sort of see not the occasion was getting to him but slightly nervous and I think all City fans just willing him like we're all obviously very passionate about it, all very excited, but there's, that's still a huge amount of pressure to put on a very young player. Um, you forget how young he is. So, like, I spoke to my dad earlier on the phone and he was going, you do know that he, you are 15 years older than him. I was like, yeah, thanks for thanks for that. That's really helpful. But, like, I have did um, a, th- a thing for City. It's on my Instagram, not a plug. Uh, and I'm talking about, and the thing what I absolutely loved about love about Phil Foden is he put something on his story the other day. The other day, it was like months ago, playing football with his mates. You forget he's essentially he's like a kid, isn't he? he's a kid. I don't want to be patronised, but he is a kid and he's doing what he loves. And you know that feeling for him scoring like that goal for his team, it must have been like literally like no no other. But he admitted just... afterwards that he thought it might never. He, he, he was feeling the, the the kind of pressure of the fact yeah. that he's had a few chances and missed them. And like it just when you think about some, I mean, take Sean Wright Phillips, for instance, took about two and a half years to get his first goal. Phil Foden, like it, it feels yeah. like 20 minutes. Yeah, but the, the constant improvements there as well. Um, you know, when we saw a brief glimpse in before, it was, you know, fitting in with Pep's way of playing, but very ticky-tacky doing little, you know, of keeping his short passes I mean that cross like the way he can pass the ball the range of passing that he's got I mean particularly the Oxford game was absolutely unbelievable the way he's picking out players across the pitch (laughs) and making you know I know obviously yeah he scored the goal and that's what everyone's going to be happy for him for but the The result it was so much more than just just the goal though wasn't (laughs) it it was just like what are you? The lads learning day in day out from Kevin De Bruyne and David Silva. You know he's gonna, he's got the natural talent. He's got Pep, Pep as his manager, coach, and he's got you know a great set of players around. He's gonna be absolutely incredible. And the best thing about him, he just seems dead humble. Oh, you know, he's like grounded. When he said he went, you know what? Um, when we won the league and they all went to the John Stones and everyone went to the pub and he, he didn't go because he was going fishing with his dad. It's just like <laughs> what a nice lad. <laughs> I feel like I should offer more football insight, but I'm proper about this. Like, oh, they're just such a nice person. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, I mean, it, it, it was after that Oxford game as well. It, it, the uh, the interview, he, he said, um, I, no, I was looking for my mum and dad, but I couldn't see them. Oh, and my God, like, I didn't know that. <laughs> I don't think I'm ready to know that. that brings so... a tear to my eye. Oh. Um, 
It's just, yeah, it's a, he's very grounded and very humble. The way he talks is very mature because you don't, you know, we've seen it before. We've seen young players have the world of praise heaped on them and told they're going to be, to be 18, no matter what your job is, if you're 18 years old and you're told you are going to be the best at what you do and you are going to, you know, have this career and you're, it goes to your head. How do you, how do you not let that happen? We've it, seen it, it, rolled, happen. it takes me back. When I was at university and, and none of my tutors said anything positive about my radio <laughs> skills. And I, you know, look I just, you look at me now. Dizzy yeah. heights. Dizzy heights of a podcast <laughs> about the club that I support. Can you believe that? Um, just it's still on Foden, obviously. He, um, Guardiola commented after the game, you know, he can be a star for City for 10 years. And when you have a manager like Guardiola say something like that, I mean, you, sometimes you have to take it with a pinch of salt because sometimes managers have to be seen to be saying the right things. It definitely, it clearly is not that with with Foden. And He's Guardiola. not just saying that as a as a formality. He genuinely believes it. But as well, if you look at look at the game, it's you know no disrespect to Phil Foden, but it's almost a bit of a like a low pressure game for him. You know, rather than busting out busting him out in the Champions League or something where he's on like this big 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 international platform. You know, it was the perfect game for him to get the to get the first goal. Nice crisp strike as well. He yeah. hit it quite well. I think he's very obviously. He seems to be very respectful as well. He's probably, I know he's probably had a lot of media training more so than our players have previously. <laughs> but he's so. But he's he's very much. You know, he's he seems willing to wait his turn. He knows that Pep knows what's right for him, um, and he's not going to be throwing a paddy anytime soon. He's learning from Kevin. He's learning from David. He's 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 very happy with how he is at the minute it seems and I hope that continues I'm going to put you on the spot now which was better the pass for the first goal or the pass for the second second Nick it's the second see I I think the first I th- I just I, it's that ball the, the ball for the second one is the only pass he can play the one for the first he could have knocked it short he could yeah. have picked somebody and he just thought no no That's Bra- Brahim's in over there going to ping it over there and did it Anyway, uh, this is what he had to say uh, speaking to the press after the game. It hasn't sunk in yet. Um, it's an unbelievable feeling, you know, to get my first goal for City. And it meant um, a lot to me, you know. Um, but uh, most of all, um, it's important to get the win. So a lot of things still to improve. Um, so, yeah, I'm just going to keep keeping my head down and working hard and keep improving. You talk about improving. Where do you think you need to improve? Um... Possibly not giving as many balls away, but um, that comes when you play. You know, you need to be um, growing, be m- mature, um, and um, I'll get that as a, as I play more games. So yeah. And in terms of your development, learning off players like Kevin must do wonders for you in training. Yeah, definitely training with the likes of Davin and Kevin in the same position as me. Um, just learning every day off them and watch what they do has really brought me in as a player and working with Pep as well. It's been a really big part of um, my game and bringing it on. Phil, the fans call you the stopport in Iesta. It's said with affection. What do you feel about that? Um, yeah, I'm happy about that, but um, Iniesta, come on, is on, is on a different planet. So for them to call me that is um, massive, you know. It yeah, means a lot. And what does tonight mean, then, in the context of your career? Um, massive, you know. Just keep getting these um, cup games and run, run outs whenever I can. And um, like I said, just keep improving. And hopefully one day I can be, be starting a lot more games. I suppose it's a question of patience, isn't it, really? Because, it, you know, you're only young and you had the breakthrough year last year with the England World Cup win. Yeah, definitely. There's no need to rush. Um, Pep knows what he's doing and um, I'll play at the right time and he's good at um, bringing youth players through and he's done it in his career before. So, yeah, just be patient. I'm still young and I'm just enjoying learning and being here at the moment. Phil, you went close a few times tonight. Did you feel 
has it felt hard, you know, not scoring? Did you feel it? Yeah, we had um, one in the last Prem game and um, I thought, oh, when's my chance going to come? Um, just had to keep my head and uh, keep believing and luckily um, I got the goal today. You played well when you came on against Cardiff, played really well tonight. That's the way to keep getting in the first yeah, team, isn't it? Just have to keep impressing and, um, yeah, keep working hard and, like I said, just see where it gets me. In terms of, you know, continuing to score, is that the way that you think you need to keep going? Yeah, definitely. Um, no, um, goals is not the most important. It's about playing well and um, doing all the other ba- basics and all the other parts like, off the ball. So, yeah, the goals will come when they come, but most of all, it's just playing well and focus on that, really. Get your hands on an exclusive Blue Moon podcast badge, bottle opener or mug by becoming a backer. Patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast. Phil Foden speaking after the win over Oxford. Uh, it was also Brahim Diaz, uh, as I mentioned earlier on, uh, started that game looking like he was going to shine. He went off a little bit early. There was talk about him being injured. He's since said that he wasn't, and it was a, a tactical move by uh, by Guardiola. What what did you make of, uh, of how he was playing in that game? I think he did really well. Um, I think he gelled into the team perfectly. His passing was electric. He really stood out. I think... Having watched him at the CFA uh, quite a bit over the years, I think you can see when he was playing his age group how very advanced he was and you were worried that we're not going to give him the right chance because, you know, he's not going to be at that level when he comes into the first team. But he, you know, he, he did perfectly on, on Tuesday. He was head and shoulders above the rest then, yeah. wasn't, wasn't he? Helen had a great time when we went to watch uh, Diaz once. I think we need to find out more about this. What what happened? <laughs> Someone ended, ended up in an ambulance. I ended up in an ambulance. <laughs> oh, it was, it was the Chelsea the Chelsea Cup final. Um I yeah, I got to be at the match in the back of an ambulance being like, Oh, we're in an ambulance but it was oh, my mum's come up too many times. I got excited to see my mum ran across the CFA, tripped and grazed my knees really badly, like an actual child. Yep. <laughs> and I being the great like, you know, like the caring K- friend. KDB and his assist. Helen's bum was out, so I just quickly <laughs> ran past and covered it up. Come on, let's get up. Let's go to the ambulance. It was a great moment. So that, that was that that was our A good our, friend. You've been a good friend. Our adventures with the EDS. <laughs> um I don't really know how to follow that. No. Uh, um the thing with Diaz, it's <laughs> Sort of with Foden as well. They're they're both attacking players, and if you're an attacking player in this city team, it's it, it must be so hard to get the minutes that you need to develop. That's why the Oxford game is so important for those two. They're like the um, when I was watching the crosses from Diaz were absolutely ridiculous, and you because I I saw it and I thought, even has done that, you know, because one of the usual suspects you you weren't there, and I was like, oh my god, it was Diaz. Yeah, I think I hope they get a lot more Carabao action. I think that's a great place for them to play the sweet, sweet goth juice. I hope Helen gets a lot more Carabao action on that note. I'm, I'm gothic enough, thanks. <laughs> um, but no, I hope, I think that it would be a good sort of arena for them to really start to, you know, find themselves. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, that's that's the time when they're going to get minutes, isn't it? Um, yeah. Another player that it kind of looks like he needs minutes at the moment is Gabriel Jesus because he, I mean, he scored, but. He's looking a bit out of sorts, isn't he? Yeah, and I know. Um, sort of, Sam mentioned it last last week um, that he just he doesn't see himself, and is it because he's he's lonelier now? He's not yeah. got his he's not got his family. He's not got his friends. But is uh, it's that you, sometimes with him, you just know that he's not going to score before he's even taken his shot. Is 
if he's not 12 yards in, you don't think he's going to do it. And sometimes even then, he's, he's, not, he's not finding the net. And, you know, he probably does need more minutes. He probably needs some more time to get into the season. Um, but I think when he first signed for us, we all, you know, we all saw YouTube compilations, got very excited. And obviously he scored crucial games last season. I mean, having ended the season on such a high, like... you. That couldn't have been topped. What he, but I mean, I, I, just goes to show he's got the quality, hasn't he? Because yeah. I mean, that Southampton game, he, he, it's not an easy chance. He he, he was through, but he, he only had one option and he executed it perfectly. So, I mean, for this season, is it is it confidence? What is it? It might it might be a confidence thing, isn't he? Playing him and Aguero together more though. It's now an option because Mendy's there, I suppose. Yeah. So, but is it? It could be something to do with that. I don't, I don't know, but I, you know, maybe there's. It is the his life is different in Manchester. You've got you know because he's always on Instagram. You know, like doing dances and things. I'm sure Helen can give us a rendition if we need <laughs> one. You know, with his mates and stuff. And now this kind of not really that. So you know, maybe if he is getting back on Snapchat, yeah, he'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> like the anti Mendy, he needs to do more social media. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can't see Pep going for that to the rest as, as it happens. Helen, you ask Pep. Um, I'll have a word. <laughs> John Stones uh, was pushed into defensive midfield. Um, what do you think? No. Well, no, I'm, I'm yet to be convinced. Maybe it's something that he can, he can grow into. I think, again, we're trying to solve a problem that hasn't been resolved by just not fudging it because... Yeah, we're Manchester City. We wouldn't fudge anything. No, Come but on. by he's, obviously he's trying things. We've not got the backup Fernandinho. He's moving players around, seeing if it works. I, I just, I don't. I love John Stones. It's John early Stones. days, though. You isn't are it? John yeah. Stones. It probably needs more time. I am John Stones. <laughs> <laughs> he, um, he just, yeah, I wasn't convinced. He didn't look, he didn't look comfortable as comfortable in himself as he has been doing. And I think while he's performing so well, uh, where he should be, we should sort of. Keep him there, please. I wonder, I wonder how much of it is um, having to think about what he's got to do. When he when he's in cent- when he's at the centre back now, he's played under Guardiola for enough time yeah. to go. Well, I know what I need to do. I know what I need to move. Oh, the ball's there. Here's where I go, and that sort of thing. Being thrust into another position, he, he, he's got to go. Right, okay, so the ball's there. I need to move here. What do I need to do? It opens now? up so much more of the pitch. Like and he's, so he's just he's just yeah. having to think about it more. That I mean, that yeah. could be an issue. And uh, he could get used to it, and hopefully. He'll be able to be more flexible, but I yet to be convinced. And, Sorry, uh, John. Just just finally on uh, on this week, uh, Aaron Murich in the City goal for the uh, the Oxford game um, looked all right, didn't he? Yeah, he did. It's big and uh, good with his feet. Clean sheet. That's what Pep likes. Happy clean days. sheet. He's probably he's got. Do you know? Do you know who didn't have a clean sheet on their first? Who Hello? City? Claudio Bravo. I was going to say he's probably he, he must be pushing him for for the number of clean sheets now, wasn't he? <laughs> David. The one. Sorry. Oh, sorry. I'm going to be honest. Like I, if it's not Edison in goal, I I don't like it. I, I've, I, I, you know, I rate Edison. You know, I've. But this, I mean, this is it. But it's... when he was in there, it wasn't it wasn't as bad. But he, when it when it's about it came, trust though, isn't yeah, it? Well, yeah. Well, when it came out, Bravo was injured. I was like. Oh my god, I can't even believe it! And I thought, oh god, I'm, I'm at a state of my life now when I'm getting stressed out because uh, Claudio Bravo says so Achilles. <laughs> I mean, this is a state <laughs> of my life. But you know, it's again like I've said, I've said about Diaz and Foden. It's a chance for him to have a, you know, have a run out. And, and he was largely untested, wasn't he? Though it, we haven't, you know, we didn't get to see that much of him. And he had he had Vinny and Nico in front of him, yeah. so there's that confidence I think of having that. Whereas with maybe with brother, she was the other way round. 
his yeah. friends didn't have the confidence with him being there, yeah. potentially. Um, but I'd like to see more of him. Certainly fits into the style of play, doesn't he? Right, so we're moving on. And Riyad Mahrez opened his account for City in Saturday's 5-0 win at Cardiff, bagging a brace from the bench. He's the first Algerian to score for the side in 15 years, with the last being a strike by Ali Benabia against Fulham in 2003. Tom Green's looking back at Benabia's time at Main Road. Fans remember City's second-tier title in 2002 as one of the most exciting seasons they've experienced. Kevin Keegan's team finished on 99 points. They scored 108 goals and they took their opposition apart with creative football week after week. Kind of like how Pep Guardiola did in the top flight last season. But back in 2001, it didn't start so well. I thought, I can't keep saying I'm going to give everyone a chance and keep looking at what we've got and give them a chance to prove themselves. I felt that on that day a few of them showed me that they didn't really merit that chance anymore. That was Keegan speaking at the end of that campaign, talking about a 4-0 defeat at West Brom. It was an awful performance and prompted the manager to dip into the transfer market. He brought in Ali Benabia, signing on a free. I think for me the first game when I play uh, against Birmingham when I come, and the standing ovation when Kevin Keegan told me five minutes at the end to come and it's wonderful for me and I think what they gave me fans they helped me for every game after I think. This was a time when YouTube compilations didn't exist so nobody really knew what to expect but after having a hand in two of the three City goals on his debut against Birmingham the supporters were excited about what he was going to bring to the team. Speaking years later, Benabia explains how he almost didn't play in that match. The story is I come training, Kevin Kigani tell me, yes, you can come to the, to the club, but I'm not sure that I play or not. And in the, in the Saturday morning, I, I take my flight, but uh, 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 I don't take, I come on the flight, they say, no, it's too late. I say, come on, why are you too late? And I came second flight, I arrived here at 11.15 a.m. No half time, just to put my shirt, go to the stand, and we win 3-0. And a standing ovation, 35,000 people. What is the best things to start uh, in a nice team with Manchester City? Three goals in his first four games set the tone and helped City settle into a rhythm for the season. When Bernabia played well, City tended to win and it guided them to the title in their push for promotion. One football journalist, Dan Burke, explains the impact the Algerian had. I can't have been the only City fan who didn't really have a clue who Bernabia was when he first came to the club. Um, I think everyone was a bit mystified, but after 10 minutes of his debut against Birmingham at Main Road, everyone knew we had a real special player on our hands. Um, he was majestic that day. I mean, City had a decent team that year, players like Isle Berkovic, Stuart Pearce. Um, but Manabia turned what was a, a good team into a brilliant one at that level, and he was instrumental in that really exciting swashbuckling promotion campaign. Um, the game that always sticks out in my mind when I think of Manabia is when we beat Sheffield Wednesday 6-2 at Hillsborough, um, and he absolutely ran the show that day. He was unplayable. It was just a shame that he was already in the twilight of his career. When City were back in the Premier League, Manabia's legs weren't up to the demands of the top flight. But there was still magic in the boots when he did play. Unfortunately, he was 33 when we went up to the Premier League, I think, and he didn't quite have the legs for it anymore. Um, but he still had his moments that season back in the Premier League. Um, in particular, a game uh, we played Fulham uh, in the last uh, game under the floodlights at Main Road. City won 4-1. Bernabia dovetailed beautifully with his uh, fellow countryman, Janel Belmardi, who didn't have quite as uh, interest in a City career as he did. Um, looking back, you, you wonder how good Bernabia could have been if he'd come to England a little bit earlier in his career, and also whether... Benabia at his peak would have been good enough to challenge for a place in today's City team. I think he would have uh, given the likes of David Silva and, and players like that a run for the money. Benabia featured in the first match at the City of Manchester Stadium. 
but it was to be his final appearance for the club before moving to Qatar for the last year of his career. I played the, 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 the game against Barcelona, the first game, but uh, I'm missing Main Road. Is especially this stadium. When I see City Stadium, it's really nice, really huge, you know. But uh, I'm happy to write my story in Main Road more than City Stadium. And I hope the few, the, the, the best player that I see, like Aguero, they write the story here. And uh, to, to come here to Manchester City and to play at this time, it will be magic because because of the fans, because of the story of this club, because of the people, they like the club and they're they working every day. When you come in the field, you give them back. I'm not sure that many clubs can, can, will be like this, the, the feeling like this. Though even after such creative players like David Silva or Kevin De Bruyne have graced City's team, there's a certain vintage of fan who'll still remember Ali Benabia fondly. Blogger Richard Burns explains why. He was a key part of a very, very exciting team. Oh, well, he was the key part of a very exciting team. That Keegan side were full of attacking flair, good passing, and it was just an overwhelming commitment to attacking play. And Ali Bernabeu was the epitome of that. Exceptional pass for the ball. Vision that, that fans of my generation probably hadn't really seen in a City player before. And he came in at a time when it wasn't obvious how the season was going to pan out. And then he came in and everything clicked. Bernabeu may have only had two years at Main Road, but what an impact he made in that time. In his younger days, it's not too much of a stretch to think he'd have been good enough to be part of this City team now. This is Willie Donaghy and you're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. Enjoy. You're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. Facebook.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast. Tom Green looking at Ali Benabia's time at City. Now, I mean, before we move on, we've we got to give a, a couple of minutes to Ali Benabia because he was, I mean, Richard said it in the in the feature there, he was one of the first kind of flair players mm. that he remembers. Yeah, uh, that was just a very special time at City. Um, around then after what we've been seeing before, like Ali and Isle and that whole period was just, I said it, it was new. And There's a comment that Keegan makes in the end of season DVD that I always remembered where he said about he had Wright Phillips, he had Bernabeu and he had Berkovic all in the team. And he, yeah. was, and, he, and he just said, people always said, you can't put those three in a team together. And he was going, well, why not? Watch and me. It, and it just worked, <laughs> didn't yeah. it? Yeah, it was. And I'd say it was the first time it was exciting. Um, yeah, I started supporting in 98, so it was a real eye-opener <laughs> <laughs> as to what football should be um, and what it could be. And I think... You know, he, the impact he had on the team was outstanding. He he made players who, you know, they were good, um, but made them look better. Um, Sean Gota, would he, would, would he have been as prolific if Bernabia wasn't there? Would, would, would he have scored 180 goals that season if yeah. you know, Bernabia wasn't popular? I mean, the, the goal that stands out, Gota scored it, but it yeah. was away at Gillingham. Where, <laughs> it's all right, we, we won, it's fine. Um it was just Bernabia and Gota. They played like two or three one-twos up the pitch. And then the last one was Bernabia doing a little flick back heel and Gota yeah. volleys it into the bottom corner. It's a beautiful goal. Yeah, I mean, he, he was outstanding. And again, I'm going to give a shout out to my first one true love, Darren Huckabee. Again, a man that was set up by Bernabia. They had some oh, 
just great great years. And I'm just Emma said, yeah, the the Wednesday game, six two, that was special. That was something to remember. Back when I was say was very young, wouldn't always Back when you, I don't know, I, I can't remember what I had for breakfast this morning, especially when I was young, you know, there's certain memories that really stick out and that was one of them. It's weird, isn't it? Because up until last season where Guardiola put in this record-breaking campaign, a lot of City fans might have been tempted, even though they'd won the Premier League under Pellegrini and uh, and Mancini playing some nice stuff, a lot of City fans might have been tempted to say, well, actually, that promotion season was is still still my favourite. Yeah, I, I, I'd say good reason. I've, I've still got... My mum still got pictures of the, the from the MEN of them all going around the pitch and the t-shirt. It was just it was a lovely, lovely time, and it's a shame that Bernabe didn't really get to. You know, he, he came to the Premiership, but he he was too old. He was old, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. It's a shame that we didn't have him earlier. That we couldn't take him in the DeLorean now and bring him back to here. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, that'd be pretty special. <laughs> Right, so well, we've, uh, we've got to crack on with uh, this week's coming games. We're starting off with a home game against Brighton. Um, we talked about momentum earlier on in the show, Nick. I mean, it's it's important to get a win here because the game after it is is Anfield, and that's where City City always fall down at Anfield, don't they? Honestly, I just, me and Helen have spoke about this before. We we need to win at Anfield. We just need to break the the it just the run, don't you? Yeah, it's yeah. just it's incredible. But I mean, the, the the best way to do it surely is by you know beat Brighton, beat Hoffenheim, get yeah. that momentum. Yeah, yeah. Going. well, we've but we've got you know we've since. The Leon game, we've got a good, you know, we've had Oxford, we've had Cardiff, we've got a good, like, a good base to build on. We keep that momentum up, and if we win against Brighton, or when we win against Brighton, like try and be positive, positive <laughs> thinking, etc. Hoffenheim, hopefully, it will. The momentum will carry us forward, and you know, we've seen in that Amazon documentary. I'm sure Pepe's going to be absolutely hammering them with, you know, keeping their eyes on the prize, etc. But I I've got a weird feeling that it it might happen this season. This season might be the one we finally get the win at Anfield. It might just be win though. I don't know. Absolutely no chance whatsoever. <laughs> um, Brighton got got one win this season over United. Not uh, not to gloat or anything like we said at the start of the show. Um, but they, I mean they gave Spurs a late scare. Is that is there much to be worried about? Um, again, don't write anyone off. So they gave Spurs a late scare. They got two back against Southampton. Um, they've got you know. Um, Murray's sort of on good form at the minute. You got um, Notcar. I think they're capable of doing some good football, and it's they've they've not rolled over for us before. The opening game last season it was, was was tough. You know, again we we need to win and we need to keep that momentum up, but we shouldn't be blasé about what we're going to go into on Saturday and to get that win and then to get a win against Hoffenheim is going to be crucial for what's to follow. Well, you know me, I'm always one to try and uh, put the, make the guests feel a bit blasé because I'm now going to say that Brighton <laughs> haven't won away in the league since uh, November last year, nearly 12 months. So, I mean, it's a surefire sign that it's a home win, isn't it? I can't be too arrogant, David. <laughs> yeah, well, but look what Palace did to us last, last season. Actually, yeah. <laughs> no. If it could happen, it might happen to us. So I'm just not going to say anything. We talked about Leon and, and building momentum from from that game. Um, throw forward then to to the the Hoffenheim game in the Champions League. Is there more pressure on that because of the performance against Leon now? Well, we've already record breakers, so I don't want to continue it. Can't go yeah, five games. That, that's one streak we don't want to keep up. Really, to be honest. <laughs> even if even if it is it, the Basel one was a dead rubber one, and it, it was it the Basel one? Yeah, it was no, Basel, it was, Liverpool, did, Liverpool. It, it didn't. 
Oh, I forgot about that one. <laughs> <laughs> I think... I, I told you, no chance of a win at Anfield. Epi- That's episode, the problem, isn't it? Episode seven of that, um, of that Amazon documentary, I didn't actually remember how bad that week was. You know, it was just like an insight into a really, really horrible week. Again, I didn't need to see I it. I turned it off three times. Oh, it it took off. me a week to watch it. It was awful. <laughs> didn't you end up watching some of it at my house yeah, as well? Yeah, I, I couldn't do it alone. Safety numbers. But okay, yeah. It, that is... It is a statistic we don't want to keep up we do you know we do want to win and we're more than capable of a win and even going into the group games losing the first two puts more pressure on on late you know on the rest of them so just get get a win get get some get some points in yeah and with the group we've got touch wood the rest should be okay it is the first of the early kickoffs though i mean it's it's the first time city have got this 555 kickoff is that we, we talked about atmosphere in the Champions League. Obviously, it's an away game, so it, it doesn't really affect the City fans in that sense for this one, but it'll, it, it's probably going to come in future. Does it affect the players? I think there's... Yeah. I, it, I think it's an awful kick-off time, to be honest. It's quite... Discons- I mean, I know we have, like, half-five kickoffs and things like that, which makes sense. But they're sense. on a weekend. It's, you're, yeah. not, you're not in work, those weekends. Well, no, most people are in work. Players yeah. are at work. <laughs> The one thing that bothers me is when are they going to have their dinner? I'm sure, I'm sure Pep will sort out. What, at what time do they, go for, do they go for a brunch in the mid-afternoon? Raheem will not go without his beans on toast. It'll be fine. <laughs> it's the idea that they have to have pasta for breakfast sometimes. Just, oh, oh, just I know. God. Horrid. Um, just, I mean, for, for the midweek, though, 5.55, I mean... It's a pick of a kickoff. That, so, if that was in Manchester, that'd be horrific. Well, I'm not going to watch it. I won't be able to get home in time to watch that. I'll probably come in 10, 15 minutes, get back from work. and It's pretty much like a home game then for yeah, us, really. But, Turn up 10 minutes in. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you, people aren't, you know, evening kickoff, like, go home, get changed, settle down, get some food, get some drinks in, have a nice little, you know, if I'm watching it at home, I want to watch it nicely, but having to rush, you know, everyone's going to be rushing back. It's just... Oh, it's it's grim. Right, so on that cheery note, let's get some predictions on the uh, on the board. Um, there was another win on the charity bet this week, and it was my 3-0 win at Oxford. Way. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, that takes the total... <laughs> that takes the total we've raised for the season for the Christie, a cancer hospital in Manchester, up to £160. William Hill's given our panel a £10 correct score single, and there are two games to hopefully add some more to the pot this week. So we'll start off with Brighton. Uh, we'll go with Nick. What are you going for? Um, I'm going to go for 3-0. Three, 3-0 three City win is 5-1, to one, so it's 50 quid if you're right. Helen, what are you having? Um, I'm going to go 4-1. 4-1, that's 12-1, to one, which I hope you're right about because it's 120 quid. Bloody little, hell, uh, lovely stuff. It'd be a nice addition to the pot. I've gone 5-0, which is 10-1, so £100. And uh, Hoffenheim away, what are you having for that one, Helen? Um... I'm going to go 2-0. 2-0 is 7-1, to one, 70 quid, Nick. 2-1 to us. 2-1 uh, is 7-1 to one again, 70 quid. And I've gone 3-1, so 9-1 to one and 90 quid. You've got to be 18 or over to gamble. Prices can change. And for more about responsible gambling, visit begambleaware.org. The Blue Moon Podcast Best Bits. I remember when I signed for a city, uh, one of the supporters came, came to me and said, Sven, don't talk about Europe or... Uh, the league or whatever it is, just beat Manchester United twice and that's it, he said. <laughs> that's the most important. <laughs> it's important, of course it's important, but the most important, of course, is the final result for the for the club. You could feel the derby and if you compare it with uh, with Lisbon or Rome or where I've been before, it's, it's great. 
probably it's the biggest derby I've been involved in. There was one game that uh, that really stands out for City fans, and that's the uh, second derby of the season at Old Trafford. How were you feeling about that before the game? Well, it was a special game because it was a memorial day for the tra- tragic um, air accident for Manchester United. So in that way, it was very, very special. And I will always remember in all my life the minutes before the kickoff when it was uh, one minute silence. In, and I remember the, during all the week, uh, some of the people from City, they were nervous that... Uh, City fans should boo them or something like that. And uh, I think it was a great one minute of uh, civilization and uh, education, or whatever you say. You couldn't hear anything at the stadium for, for the whole minute. And uh, that's one of these moments you, you're getting very, very proud of, of the club you work for and the fans you, uh, you were working for. Very, very proud. It was, it was great. What do you remember of the game itself? Well, I think uh, we were not lucky. We we were very good. We deserved to win that game. Uh, if you talk about the first game at home, uh, we played okay, we played good, we won. But the second game, I think we were brilliant and we deserved to beat uh, United at that time. At home, we played good, but not as good as we did away. Away was a very, very good football game. <laughs> Hear the full interview on our website, bluemoonpodcast.com. Time now for Ask the Panel, the bit of the show where you send your questions in. Send them in at Blue Moon Podcast on Twitter. You can get us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Podcast, And you can email us as well through the website, bluemoonpodcast.com. Uh, first is from Mark Forsyth on Facebook. He asks, what do you think of Merseyside Police being unable to find anyone who attacked the bus? Well, it's ridiculous really, isn't it? Um... The footage is there. It's more, rather than find anyone that attacked the bus, it should be how was how did it, that happen so badly in the first place? There are ways it could have been prevented. Routes didn't need to be published. It was getting talked about for weeks before. Um, you know, so there's obviously an indication that there is going to be some something some sort of incident yeah, yeah. It was, it was every, everyone knew it was going to happen and that for the day for the day of it the police to publish the route for it that, them to allow it to escalate the way that it did i mean i just love peb's comment I was like thank you for protecting us i was like oh you sassy <laughs> <laughs> get quite quite sarcastic can't he when yeah. he wants to yeah oh it's oh, beautiful brings it's a beautiful that thing to see he's very good at being sarcastic and driving like other managers from manchester in but, terms yeah. of in terms of that incident though i mean lessons been learned from it would you expect if city were to draw liverpool in the champions league well, later this season let's see how they get on with napoli <laughs> that's all i'm gonna yeah, I don't think they, you know, if they go off like that in... They've got Red Star Belgrade, haven't they? Can't really imagine that going down too well there. But that's, I mean, that's the other thing. It, it, it escalates to a situation where fans then get injured. And we talk about, well, why couldn't this have been prevented? Yeah. Because it's ultimately, it's people's safety. It, the thing is, it, it, like, as, like I've just said, it was so easily preventable. You don't you don't need to publish routes and stuff. You know, it, it does build atmosphere that get for the game you know obviously when they're traveling to Anfield etc it compromised safety I can't understand that but it does like Helen just said it does compromise safety and that you know you don't want people getting hurt and whatever I mean is there a situation where the police should have actually I mean there's video footage of it happening why has nobody been why why can't you identify people from that the faces are on it you know that if you punish people for this sort of thing it doesn't happen again I know 
Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, you don't want to be a grass, but there, there's faces visible in the videos. You can see who's posted on social media. Um, and I said it's, it's a safety thing, and it's not just a safety thing for the players or our delicate football players to protect on the coach. It's for everyone else that was there. It's for the the, the other fans that were waiting. You know, it's just not a great situation, and the fact that you know Liverpool fans like to boast about it in their atmosphere, and oh, who are we to talk about atmosphere? But it's 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 different when people can get, actually get hurt. Well, who are we to talk about atmosphere? We're going to come on to that now. Um, oh, Darren Watson's been in touch on the emails. Uh, it's, it's He says, In 1988, I paid £4 in the Kipax for Division 2 or the second tier matches, and it was a similar in Division 1 the next season. My circumstances have since changed. Mortgage, children, other financial commitments, and the last match I attended was Swansea for my 50th in 2016-17. It was £56 each, £224 in total. In 30 years, my income hasn't increased at the same rate, so I can't afford to go regularly. Granted, we've got better seats, better stadium, better team, and with that comes more matches. So is criticism of the atmosphere justified, and should standing be brought back in to make it better and reduce the prices? So I think there's there's kind of a lot to kind of get teeth into there. So we'll start mm-hmm. with the atmosphere. Is criticism of the Etihad atmosphere fair? Yes. Um, well, yes and no. Um, and obviously the Leon game brought that up to debate massively because it was just so flat. What was on the pitch was flat. What was happening in the stands was flat. Um, but I don't think the club do anything to help. There's there's so much more they could do. And instead, I know there's teams of people there and they're trying their best and I respect that. But I feel like it's difficult without being too patronising towards a fan. You know, it's... Yeah. it's it's about pitching it right, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. You don't want to be like, oh, you know, you're going to stand here and you're going to sing this and then we're going to, you know, take you out here and we're going to get you a pint that's 50p off if you buy it at this time and then we're going to go and do this. And it's it's an overall problem with the club and there's no... People are always looking for who to, who to blame. Is it the club's fault? Is it the tourist's fault? Is it this fault? It's not. It's, it's a mentality that has to change. And unfortunately, uh, it's horrible, but it's happening across football everywhere. It's not a unique problem. It's not a city thing. It's not a unique to city problem. I think it feels that way because it was something that City have always, you know, we've always been quite proud of it. We've always been able to have a laugh at the match. And the fact that now people come to us and it's quiet. And I'm very, I mean, I, I, I'm a South Stand level one. So even when it's quiet around me, I'm like, well, what's what's going on? Like, it's... It, 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 I almost get really protective. Like, you know, when you can hear the away fans, I'm yeah. like, like, well, someone say something. <laughs> I don't like it, but it's it needs to be reviewed um, say, throughout the league, And but it's the way football's going, but it's definitely more that the club, I think, could do to, to help. Nick, is it on the players to get the fans going or the fans to get the players going, or is it ultimately I, is it both? I'd say it's equally. I don't think it's... it's it, it is both of our responsibility. Um, where I sit, I'm on the Colin Bell up towards the other end of the pitch to Helen. Champions League games, you sat there, you've got all the regular season ticket holders, and you've got school trips, you sat in a seat, looking like a sea of kids, and it's, you know, I'm not saying that they don't have the right to go, but all they all kind of get lumped into one area, so it's just like, I don't know, I don't, I don't know what the answer is, I don't know if it's putting, putting everybody who sings together, I don't know if it's spreading them further what? apart, getting rid of the family stand. The family stand doesn't help, I mean, the amount it's of not, empty seats every week and then all these now free upgrades where you then feel like well what's the point in getting a full price adult ticket because tickets are too expensive they're going up every year there's no need for them to do that they do people are getting priced out like darren you know it's happened to some of my friends some of my family and there's no need for it and yeah. yet they've done initiatives to obviously make certain seats cheaper which is great but with that we've expanded we've not filled some seats the atmosphere's dropped and there's just as it says other ways around it and ways that we can 
get people that need to be in the in, back in the game that'll that'll bring that old atmosphere back again. Yeah, Nick, is it a Champions League problem though, or is it, or does it kind of go across the board for City because the Champions League's brought it to the the the, the uh, attention? The, that Leon game, it was awful. It you know, I have um, when I attend evening games, it's quite a um, a bit of a big ordeal for me like I have to go South Manchester to North Manchester Warrington to pick my sister up then to the Etihad so by the time I get there I'm just like I just need to have a minute just to kind of like just calm down calm yeah. down and not be in the car for a bit so you know theoretically I want to be like oh yeah come on and I'm like oh god come on just, just do some just do something. You've, yeah, you've been at work all day. Yeah, and, yeah. It is It is hard. And I know everybody likes to sit on social media, people whinging because you've got to go to work. But, you know, it for me, it's it's such a rigmarole getting to the game. By the time I get there, I'm like, oh, my God. And, you, you, you know, I know it is massive headache for you, but people travel, like, from everywhere yeah. to come for that game. And you just think, you know what? If they, if they want to leave 15 minutes early to go in their car so they can cut half an hour I know this was covered last week but that off their journey don't judge them let them do it and with Champions League it's difficult anyway but why why are fans not really bought into that it's a it's a difficult yeah I think I feel like the Champions League has been thrust upon us and that's not a complaint that is not a complaint at all and you know I know it's meant to be the next stage for us it's the next step and it'll be fantastic and I do take it very seriously but you know, ten years ago, we wouldn't have been ever been expecting to be in the Champions League. Now it sort of came out of nowhere. Well, not nowhere. We worked for it for quite a few years. We got there, and we've sort of you know we've been in there now for you know good few years. But we're like the old guard almost. I know some of them have dropped out some years, which has not been funny at all. Mm-hmm. But these are teams that have always expected to be there, and they've gone in there. And this is sort of still new to us. It is extra expense. The group games are never the most exciting. Um, and obviously, City's City fans' relationship with UEFA is strained to say that it's strained. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it and it is. And I, I will say, I do think Leon game. Hopefully, you know, we'll move on from that. Um, they have opened the bars now, which might help. Might get people there. No, get people there earlier. Get people enjoying it more. Um, you know, just something like that. Just start to give something back. Is it time to stop booing the Champions League anthem, Nick? I'm going to be honest, I'm usually not there for the Champions League. <laughs> and I'm going to be honest, I can Good. hear the boos as I'm literally running through the turnstile. Like, I, I always thought it was because I turned up, but I, I, it's up to, you know... It's Sorry, up to, I'm, I'm always late as well, so don't mind. it doesn't matter. Oh, I'm terrible. I was on Match of the Day once, pegging it down the stairs. I look like a right idiot. Anyway, that's not what we're talking about. Um, I'm going to be honest, I don't know. I don't, I don't boo at football matches, apart from the time when I booed Fellaini when he got sent off and then he went off on the wrong bit and then had to do the walk of shame. <laughs> so I've got it on video on my phone. It's great. It reappeared well, the did, other day. Did he walk off the wrong side and have to walk around? It was when they moved the tunnel. So the tunnel was in the corner near where, oh, where yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah. So then he went to the tunnel and then he had to walk all the way oh. down the side of the pit. It was glorious. Anyway... Um, I, it's not. It isn't something I get involved in. It's not because I want to be like moral high ground, blah blah blah. But you know, I don't know. I, I, it's hard to experiment yeah. with a lot of people and say, listen, let's not boo and see what happens. I, you know, they shouldn't really be getting affected by it. But at the same time, if you're going in it with this kind of negativity, that like, woo, rah, rah, but it, set, it sets a bad tone. I, I don't think it does. I, I, I personally. People can boo, they can not boo, they can do what they want. 
And I understand reasons for it. Yeah, I'm often, again, not there, and I especially won't be there now that the bar's there. Um, but I understand we've had some terrible decisions. It's, it's, it's corrupt. The punishments we've had for you know, going out late compared to racism, it's, it's, un, it's inexcusable. And it's now just... But it's sort of moved on from that now. It's now like a thing that we do. If that makes sense, yeah, it's, it's our it's thing not, now, isn't it's it? It's like, yeah, because if we're gonna boo UEFA, let's let's look at feelers of the FA. Let's take it further than that because they're not An- anarchy but, in the Premier yeah, League. That's yeah, that's let's have it every week. No, I'm I'm saying that, but part of me, the little bit of me, would find it really funny if slash when we make it to the final and the whole world's watching us and you can still hear like a small group of manks just going boo. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, Helen, you mentioned prices before. Um, yeah. Darren, in his emails, uh, uh, talked about the fact that his wages haven't gone up in line with the way that, that ticket prices have. Um, we talk every single season on here about ticket prices. Ultimately, though, if fans keep turning up, then they'll never go down because it, it's what the market can sustain, if that makes sense. it's The club will look at it and go, well, people are still buying tickets, so why... Why would we reduce For season tickets, though, like I pay for my monthly, it goes up by like a pound or something. Oh, mine's been 10 this month. 10? Yeah. Mine's mine's um, not gone up at all by enough to be like, right, I'm not going anymore. No, but they keep doing that every year. That's the thing, year on year on year. If they keep putting up by a couple of quid, you know, two years on, that's an extra 10. Your wage isn't going up. But... Season tickets, one thing, and it, it takes the mick because these are people that are loyal and will go every week and will always pay if we can. You know, we'll keep doing it. But it's those one-off games. You know, you, you want to go and you want to take your family and it costs you 200 quid. And yeah. it's and then you've got your travel and then you've got, you know, if you're staying over somewhere or you're getting some food, it, it's... But you're it, watching a team that scored 100 points last season and, and scored a record number of goals. Is it not worth it for that? No. It... it <laughs> There has to be a line, there has to be a point, because it, it will continue, and maybe the club won't care because people will still buy the tickets, but when we're talking about atmosphere, it'll be because people that are buying the tickets are people that, oh, I'm in Manchester, I'd love to go and see a football game, and I'm, you know, we're a global team now. That's going to happen. We're going to have people that want to come watch us watching us, but while we're outpricing our actual fans and the, the people that have been there for decades, that's... That's how we end up in this issue with atmosphere. Do get in touch with your thoughts at Blue Moon Podcast on Twitter. You can also uh, get in touch through the website as well, bluemoonpodcast.com. And uh, if you want to get a little bit of extra Blue Moon Podcast, this week we're talking all about Sergio Aguero in our Patreon special. That's for uh, those that back $2 a month on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast for more details. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much as well to my uh, two guests in the studio, Helen Powell. Bye. And Nick Unsworth. Bye. Thank you very much for listening. I've been David Mooney and we'll see you next week. Take care. That was the Blue Moon Podcast. Please support the show. Patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast.